0: Thus saith the Lord of hosts, They shall throughly glean the remnant of Israel as a vine. Turn back thine hand as a grape-gatherer into the baskets. To whom shall I speak? This is now Jeremiah speaking. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised, and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. Therefore... I am full of the fury of the Lord. I am weary with holding in. I will pour it out upon the children abroad and upon the assembly of young men together. For even the husband and the wife shall be taken, the aged with them, with him that is full of days. And their houses shall be turned unto others with their fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand upon the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord for from the east the least of them even unto the greatest of them everyone is given to covetousness and from the prophet even unto the priest everyone dealeth falsely and now I want you to pay attention particularly to verse 14 and 15 these are the key verses in this text so these these this is the culmination this is what's really important we may not get to it tonight but understand this is These are the key verses of this text. Verse 14 and 15. They, we're talking about the prophet, and we're talking about the priest, they have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall at the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Those two verses there uh, really summarize uh, what is happening here. But uh, let's just jump right in as we, we go back to now to verse 9. Here's the outline. I'll give it to you now. We, first, we have we have three, three points here. Uh, first, the subject is God. God's thoroughness. God is giving instruction to Judah, or to, excuse me, to Jeremiah, and he is literally dubbing Jeremiah the grape gatherer. Now you might remember earlier in recent verses, he uh, was speaking to this unknown enemy, which we now know would be Babylon. And he was likening Judah to a vineyard. And he was basically, uh, it was God's foreign servants. Those messages, we were talking about the fact that God was giving instructions to the to, to Nebuchadnezzar uh, to to Babylon, and basically telling them, you come in and do your pruning. And now, Jeremiah is being instructed to be the grape gatherer, uh, and, and we'll talk about that just in that first verse. And then, verses 10 through 12, we have Jeremiah's dismay. So the first one is God's thoroughness. Uh, that is, he's instructing Jeremiah. The second one is Jeremiah's dismay, verses 10 through 12. Uh, Jeremiah, he's been getting this message for a while now. He's been passing it along to the people. Uh, They've not listened to him. They've been enticed by the false prophets. They have rejected his message. And we see here, in Jeremiah, perfect righteous indignation. You ever heard of that? Righteous indignation is, you know, there is a place for Christians to be indignant, to be angry. Paul said in in Ephesians, be ye angry and sin not. You know, anger can be a sin. Uh, Anger can definitely be a sin. It's listed in so many of the, the lists of sins. And the Bible says, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. But Ephesians does say, be ye angry. So there is a place for us to have righteous indignation. And if there's ever a place that we see it appropriately. It's here in verses 10 and 11, 10 through 11, in Jeremiah. And then the last few verses, verses 13 through 15, is Judah's need. That once again, their need for correction. It's same old song, but again, God, you know, this is just the goodness of God. This is the long-suffering of God. I imagine they got very tired of hearing this same message from Jeremiah day after day. Week after week, year after year, I imagine. They did, they did not respond. Uh, they were probably like, same old song, Jeremiah. We hear this all the time. Uh, and, and they were probably no doubt sick of it. But folks, every single new day that Jeremiah woke up and went to the city and began to preach to these people was a, a vivid picture of God's long-suffering. Because it meant he hadn't judged them yet. So what we are in the midst of here, Jeremiah's preaching, while it is strong, and it is passionate, and it is con- uh, it is bringing condemnation and judgment, he's, he's telling them you need to repent. It is the long-suffering of God. So let's talk about first God's thoroughness. Look at verse 9. Jeremiah 6 and verse 9. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, they shall truly glean the remnant of Israel as a vine. Now, this could clearly be an allusion to chapter five. In fact, if you want to look, since it's just a chapter away, look at chapter five and verse ten. This was when we preached God's servants, uh, which was Nebuchadnezzar. This was remember God said to them, "Go ye upon her walls and destroy." He's talking about their vineyards. Make, but make not a full end. Take away her battlements, for they are not the Lord's. For the house of Israel and the house of Judah have dealt very treacherously against me, saith the Lord. They have belied the Lord and said, It is not he, neither shall evil come upon us, neither shall we see sword nor famine. And so clearly, uh, now he's picking up on this again, possibly referring, going to make a segue from talking about this unknown enemy at the time, and then the end of verse six, of verse nine, so verse at the beginning. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, they shall thir- thoroughly glean the remnant of Israel as a vine. They're going to come in and do some pruning. And now he's talking to Judah, or Jer- excuse me, Jerusalem, Jeremiah, and he says, "Turn back thine hand as a grape gatherer into the baskets." So he's likening Jeremiah. To someone that would harvest the grapes. And he's saying, give them one more chance. Go go back. Just see if you missed any grapes is the idea. Turn back thine hand as a grape gatherer into the baskets. One more chance. So the call for Jeremiah is, um, you know, uh, once again to do his work. In fact, one, one commentator made this statement. He said, all of Jeremiah's prophetic ministry however fruitless it seemed, was kind of a grape harvesting, a gleaning of the vine of Israel. Jeremiah's task was to glean Israel. Once more, he must return to the task to make certain that there was none remaining who had not heard his message. So, this is where we're at now. They've already gotten warning after warning after warning. But God is so thorough That he says to Jeremiah, let's go back and check one more time. In fact, I want to remind you of chapter 5 again. Look at chapter 5, one chapter. Look at verse 1. Remember how that started out? Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem, and see now and know, and seek in the broad places thereof. If ye can find a man, if there be any that executeth judgment, that seeketh the truth, and I will pardon it. So remember, there's been a search here. It's, it's just like Abraham when he was pleading on behalf of Sodom. Lord, if there's 50 righteous, will you not judge it? God says, okay, if there's if there's 50 righteous, I won't judge it. And then he brings it all the way down to the lowest number. And, and Abraham thinks he's done his job. Well, here, Jeremiah's job is now the point where God is saying, I want you to go back and just make sure That everyone has heard your message. That's sad. That is a very sad time. Because the implications are. Okay now. Now God is is gearing up more. For chastisement. Than he is. For waiting for them to repent. And it reminds me. Of a message. uh, Very similar to. You know, another prophet ministering at a slightly different time to different people, and that is Ezekiel. And I want you to listen to what God told Ezekiel, which is very much what Jeremiah's comfort would have been. Listen to what God said to Ezekiel in Ezekiel 33 and verse 29. Because it's the same thing. They had listened to Ezekiel preach. They actually liked to listen to him preach but they were not interested in doing what he said. Listen, in verse 29, Then shall they know that I am the Lord, when I have laid the land most desolate, because of all their abominations which they have committed. Also thou, son of man, he's talking to Ezekiel, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses, and speaking one to another, every one to his brother, saying, now remember, they're speaking against Jeremiah. And what are they saying? Well, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh from the Lord. And they come unto thee as the people cometh. And they sit before thee as my people. And they hear thy words. How is that speaking against the Lord? When you're saying, you've got to hear this message that Jeremiah is preaching. you got to go, you have to come hear the prophets. And they, there's eagerness. There's an excitement to hear. But it wasn't because they had a heart for the word of God. It was maybe because of... I don't know whether it was because of Ezekiel's, you know, speaking ability. uh, But whatever it was, they were very interested in hearing him speak. But they were very uninterested in doing what he said. The commandments of God. Verse 32, And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song, and one that hath a pleasant voice, and can play well on an instrument. For they hear thy words... Wow, this is talking against the pre- most preachers would love that. You know, people want to hear me preach. People want, you know, that people like it, and they did. He was like a lovely song. They hear thy words, but they do not. They do, but they do them not. Verse thirty three. Here's here's why God was calling Ezekiel to do what he was doing. And when this cometh to pass, lo, it will come. Then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. Wow. That's it. And I believe Jeremiah was in this very similar stage at this point of where we're at in his message. God says, go back, just make sure everyone's heard it. You're going to go check the grapes one more time. Go back and see if there's just one. I want to make sure everyone has heard your message. Not now because he was expecting them to repent, but he just wanted them to know, a prophet has been among you. You rejected him. You rejected his preaching." But a prophet have been among them. Now we are talking about God dealing with his own people, the Jews. But I want you to realize that our God is so consistent and so just and right that the judge of all the earth will do right. And the Bible says righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any nation people. And he's here, he is dealing with his people, the Jews, the people of Judah. He's already dealt with the, the, the other the, the people of Israel. Now he's dealing with the, the remaining tribes, Judah, and he's about ready to to bring chastisement to them. And we are reminded here that our God is a just God. One of the arguments that people use to reject um our God, it's it's interesting how inconsistent atheists can be when condemning our God, the God of the Bible. And uh, here's a common challenge that maybe you've heard this, um, where people uh, will blame the God of the Old Testament something that was something that happened, for example. Here's what I've heard, and here's, here's what many people... They'll look at the fact that God tells Israel, go into the land of Canaan, take over the land and destroy the people. And, and God did say that, did he not? God went in and said, you go ahead and take over the people. And so here's a common rebuttal, supposedly, of Christianity. Your God... And, and by the way, this is in the book Tactics. I shared that this morning, uh, and I love this. It's right at what we're talking about here. Your God committed genocide when He destroyed the Canaanites. Wow, that's that's supposed to get us unguarded. Your God committed genocide when He had the Israelites, the Jews went in and they slaughtered the Canaanites. Want to hear a good response to that? Of course God destroyed them. If you had witnessed the things that they did, including burning thousands of children and even infants alive in sacrifice to Moloch, you would have asked, how can there be a God who allows these people to do such evil? Is that not true? Is that not what you hear? You know, how could a good God allow this evil to go on? And yet, when God does put his foot down, and he gives space to repent, not just to Christians, he gives unsaved people space to repent. He gave the Canaanites space to repent. And yet, and so the answer is yes. It was not genocide. It was judgment. And they deserved it. And so here, in a little different way, not in the in the condemnation part, but God is going to judge. He's going to chasten. He's correcting his people. Uh, Judah. And, and because he has to punish sin. He has to correct, especially those that are in a covenant relationship. What kind of a God would we have if we were in a covenant relationship with Him and He allowed us to do whatever? I mean, we just lived uh, in violation of committing crimes against our God and He didn't do anything about it. What kind of a God would that be? His love and His character demand that he respond and the Jews are given fair warning. Next point we'll just start to touch on it till next time is Jeremiah's dismay. Look at verse 10, Jeremiah 6 beginning in verse 10. To whom shall I speak this is now Jeremiah speaking? To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold their ear is uncircumcised. Now this phrase it's used a lot in the Bible. We, we hear about uncircumcised hearts, uncircumcised lips. Uh, in other words, things that, that, that um, their heart has gotten hardened. Their lips have gotten hardened. Here's the first time we hear about their ear, uncircumcised ear, which is, means they're becoming hard of hearing. They cannot hear. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. See, they no longer value God's word. Their ears which used to be attentive and tender are now callous and hardened and they're not God's word is now an offense to them. That's why Jeremiah can preach so passionately with tears and people will hear that and see him and be unmoved. Verse 11. Therefore this is not still Jeremiah speaking. Therefore I am full of fury of the Lord. I am weary with holding in. I will pour it out upon the children abroad and upon the assembly of young men together. For even the husband with the wife shall be taken, the aged with him that is full of days, and their houses shall be turned unto others with their fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand upon the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord. So here, first Jeremiah's question is, Who am I going to speak to? You know, you want me to go back and see if there's anyone that hasn't heard? And I've been doing this for so long now, and and there's nobody that wants to hear. And now because of that, Jeremiah is beginning to get filled with righteous indignation. And we'll stop there. Uh, We want to pick up. There's still a lot to, to glean here. But, beloved, you and I are living in a time somewhat like Jeremiah's, though we're not... America is not God's people. Yes, God's people are in America, uh, but the the saying is still true. Righteousness exalteth a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. God will and must punish sin. And I believe you and I are the Jeremias. We are the Abrahams interceding on behalf of our country. Let's intercede. You and I, probably the only... You know, God's people in America... The only ones that sense that we are in trouble. That we are provoking our Creator. There's been such disregard. We are in trouble and we sense that. They don't. We're like Jeremiah. Did Jeremiah flinch? Did Jeremiah pull back? No. He was faithful. Did Ezekiel pull back? Though God even told him, you're going to be preaching to a stiff-necked people. They're going to be stubborn. And whether they hear you or not isn't the issue. I want you to preach to them and so let's look at ourselves today. We have a task and praise God there are still people today that are tender that God is you know God is saving souls and so despite the hardness of America's heart, you and I need to be faithful uh, reaching the lost and, and praise God people are still getting saved Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. thank you for Jeremiah. Thank you for these dear people. And again, we just pray for a great night tonight, a great week. Father, if you tarry, the Lord tarries. Uh, Father, give us a great time to be faithful. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be seeking opportunities. Help us to engage in conversations and communicate truth and wrestle with where people are uh, regarding their relationship to you, challenging them. Uh, Please help us, Father, for people that really do not care or do not want to hear this message Uh, But we know they need it. And uh, how many of us, Father, heard the gospel, got saved, and are so thankful we did. And I pray there would be many more that you would snatch uh, from the fires of hell before it is too late. And we ask your blessing in Jesus' precious name. Amen.